Burgers are best fresh from the grill. Well, more specifically, burgers with Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. It's so rich and creamy that it instantly makes any burger irresistible. And what backyard barbecue is complete without some potato salad? Not just any potato salad, of course. Potato salad highlights the rich, creamy goodness of Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. So if you want to take your barbecue season to the next level, stock up on Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. For great recipe ideas, visit hellmans.com. When you pull up to game night in the all-new Camry, but it's actually bingo night. Mini golf, anyone? It's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry, Toyota. Let's go places. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Fantasy freaks and geeks, what's up? No, this is not James Coe. It is Alex Gelhar, the whiz kid from Wisconsin on the mic. James got called up to the big leagues to do NFL Fantasy Live on the network today. So I am filling in in the host chair. And I am joined, as always, by the fantasy maverick, Adam Rank. How are you doing this morning? What's going on? I'm excited. Yeah? I think when, um, and I don't want to call you the backup quarterback, but not enough to keep me from calling you the backup quarterback. <laughs> this is uh, this is good. This is like uh, this is like the Mitchell Trubisky of the Fantasy Live podcast. It's just a matter of time. I just started a little earlier you were than expected. Take over, but now it's, I guess I should have gone to Sean Watson. <laughs> yeah. That would have been more apt. That would have yeah. been happy to have you. Isn't You're, he technically the third string quarterback? Because in other instances where James has been gone, Marcus has hosted. Is that right? That's so you, true. So you're like Joe Webb. I'm, I'm the Joe, Joe Webb. I'm starting a playoff game for us. But you do you do great work on special teams. Oh, though, thank weirdly. you. Thank you. <laughs> the, uh, the voice you just heard was, of course, uh, the wide receiver prognosticator Matt Harmon. How are you doing this morning, pal? Fine. Fine. <laughs> it's, it was a rough it was a rough uh, day yesterday. We'll get into that for you yeah. and some of your players. And then, of course, to my right, the magical beard of fantasy, Matt Franchise. What's up? Another day, another podcast. You know. <laughs> no, nah, I'm just kidding. I'm excited. We have f- so much football to talk about. Yes, and in the words of James Coe, this is, of course, a huge show we have before us. Huge! We've got all the news to catch you up on. Injuries to some star players, breakout performances from some other players. We'll hit the waiver wire, who you need to be targeting, how much you should be spending on them from your free agent acquisition budget if you play that way, which you should be because it's the right way to play the game. The fab? The fab. fab. Or fob? 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 F A A B. I don't care for it. It's got to have the A's got to have one of those lines over it. Yes. I like a I like a cast based system that you know you are rewarded by how terrible you are. I no, hate I, like I that. hate that. Rule. I am very traditional and I'm people f- should be slotted into economic slots. Very anti no, 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 waiver no. I I think uh, priority. It should be on your draft position. And then it carries through. Like I, in my league of record, I have the tenth overall pick in a ten-man league, so I have the number one waiver priority that doesn't go away until I use it. Right. Mm. But so see, now you have a choice. Like, well, do you see, do I burn it this week on Tara Cohen? I've or been do in I hold leagues on where people just sit on that till like oh, it's, week eleven. But what's like, the point? Oh, but because you, you're, you're waiting wait for that guy to drop. I guess. Uh, also in the show, we'll recap the target and touch leaders. Franchise and Harmon combined on a phenomenal piece. Seriously, I'm not just saying that to be a company oh. man. 
It's good stuff. You can read it at NFL.com slash touches and targets. We'll get into that. We're also going to go behind the behind the glass to producer Chris, who also works for the Chargers for Chris's Charger Corner work, working title. I like, I like it. I like it already. But uh, he's close to the team, so he's going to hopefully give us some insights for Monday Night Football and upcoming matchups, and we'll see how accurate they are, and then maybe the segment will die after one, one no, instance like or it. not. Or no. we'll just it's never – we'll sh- ne- No, Dan. Frank, we need to yeah. keep the drama. Incentive. incentive. At some point, I would Shh. like to know if the Chargers and I can ever be friends again. <laughs> we have a war going on. We don't like you each other. You were a former season ticket holder. I know. And, and they've, they've turned their back on me. It's like, oh, okay, you're moving to Orange County, and the most prominent sports person in Orange County, <laughs> outside of Mike Trout, wow. is Who? me. Sick name drop. Is me, and the Chargers turned their back on me. Do you have? I'm from the 951 I live in – that's your wheelhouse. That's exactly the, the, the market you should be targeting. Uh, area man <laughs> takes up a uh, battle against local sports teams. Uh, to be Adam Rank's, like, yeah. I was going to say, I feel like this is the, – the, how many, like, he has a lot of issues vendettas. do you have with the sports teams? All, like, a lot. <laughs> I have a lot of issues with a lot of people. And uh, then to wrap up the episode, we'll, of course, get to your top performers, biggest disappointments, and daily daps. But, as always, we start the show with your top headlines. The camera highlights in the world of sports. Breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Whistles go. Woo! I like turtles. We continue to follow breaking news. Watch the news because I'm a kid. So y'all need to hide your kids, hide your wife. So, David Johnson, number one pick in many, many, many fantasy leagues, hurt his wrist on Sunday against the Lions. X-rays came back negative, but the fear is he could miss a few weeks at a minimum. Half the season or more is even on the table. The team doctors and staff are going to get us more information today, hopefully. But, uh, franchise, what do, what do we do in the wake of this David Johnson injury? This was terrible to watch. David Johnson was doing everything, first of all, for, for the Cardinals, no surprise. I think it was like uh, he caught a pass like between three defenders and got got smashed by him, and I think that's when he hurt himself. He came back on the field for one more play, I think, and then was out. Uh, and I believe Ian Rappaport said last night that x-rays were negative, but they were awaiting uh, some MRI results today, so it's like pretty severe wrist brain. Now Rapsheet just tweeted that he might not miss time. It's something to keep an eye on. Uh, it sucks for anyone who drafted him in the first round. I mean, wrist is important for a running back. Got to be able to hold on to the ball. Yep. And he catches a lot of passes, so that could affect his pass-catching ability. Just something we got to keep an eye on and see, I think see how this plays out. If we want to be encouraged, last year in Week 17, he looked like to have suffered what, what should have been a catastrophic knee injury, but he bounced right back up, and it wasn't serious damage. So. Yeah. Uh, Harmon, who's the guy we're going to dial up on the waiver wire in the absence of Johnson if he does miss time? I guess it would be Kerwin Williams, who also has a nice revenge game on his slate this week against the Colts. But this offense, I watched this game pretty closely on Sunday, the Lions and Cardinals, and I'm I'm worried about the Cardinals just in general. And I know you just mentioned the fact he you know, looked like he had suffered a serious injury in Week 17, and that might be you know good for maybe his recovery ability off this one. I don't know, man. I'm a little... A little nervous about the fact the last two times we've seen David Johnson, he's left the game with potentially multi-week injuries. Um, that's what tends to happen to these running backs that get pummeled with workload, yeah. as he certainly did last year. Um, I I don't know, man. If he if he's out, I don't know that I'm chasing any of these running backs, even though I kind of like Kerwin Williams because, like I mentioned, Carson Palmer was just 
it was a nightmare scenario yesterday because just any time he was forced to throw off his off platform, uh, he he was not good. He threw interceptions uh, on passes that traveled twenty more yards in the air. He was zero for five yesterday. Yeesh. It's a rough. It's it's a rough going, and maybe it's just a slow start. But um, you know, you got to be concerned about the whole Cardinals' it, offense. It could be, and Adam Rank, we go to you as a resident West Coaster here. But there is some data to back up the fact that West Coast quarterbacks that have to travel to the East Coast. At, I mean, Detroit's not exactly the quote unquote East Coast, but they have to travel far east for the early games. Sometimes they struggle. Big Ben has had issues with it um, when he travels the other direction. But uh, Carson Palmer, do you think this is worrisome or just maybe some Week One rust and uh, a long travel? It's worrisome because it's something that we saw last year that this team wasn't really clicking. At least Carson Palmer wasn't uh, for a long time. And, again, I I still, um, as a West Coast person, I always hate that they make the West Coast teams play in that 10 a.m. slot. Like, what? Like, you have plenty of – like, there were three 1 o'clock games last night, and you're, and you're like, why can't we have yeah, more? Like, can't why, we get more Can we have more afternoon yeah. games? Like, does, do people not like these? I don't know what the big deal is, uh, especially if you're a West Coast team. And I remember as a little kid waking up, and um, because my dad was a Bears fan, obviously, and you'd want to see the – I remember how upset he would be when the Rams were in one of those 10 a.m. slots and they would preempt them because in the 80s the Bears were mm-hmm. on um, – on uh, the CBS or NBC, CBS back then, uh, you know, fairly regularly. So the one thing, though, with, with Carson Palmer and this whole Cardinals offense is that even with David Johnson being there and being so great, at some point you're like, and you saw this last year, like, do they need to go through a, a remodel? Do they need to do a rebuild? Do they need to kind of get a new approach? Because Larry Fitzgerald is coming towards the end of his career. I still think he's got a little bit. He, he seems like he's got a lot left. But Carson Palmer has been scaring me, and it's surprising me. It's surprising to me that they didn't try to address it in the draft. Perhaps they were trying to maneuver up to get somebody like Mahomes or somebody like that. But man, they really could be in a very precarious position because the the drop off from from Palmer to Stanton, I think, is pretty severe. Yeah, they should trade for Brett Hundley or something. They should do something, and not to mention, like I think Palmer could be functional or potentially even like a plus starter if all things were fine in the Cardinals offense, but all things are not fine. Like their left tackle DJ Humphreys had to leave with an injury in this game. Their receiver core has multi layers of questions, even though John Brown encouragingly did play a pretty full workload. Yes, that was uh, what, like ninety percent of the snaps. Or he something? was but right behind Fitzgerald, I think, just over eighty yeah, percent. So that's great. He was the number two receiver, so that's great to see. But yeah, things are not all right with uh, the Cardinals right now. Uh, moving on to Duval County, they had a great win against the Texans on the road, but it came at a cost. After just a handful of snaps, Allen Robinson is done for the season with a torn ACL. The team has confirmed the Doug Marone fever dream of never passing nearly came true in week one, though. So Harmon, as the resident Allen Robinson truther and fan club leader and pal, uh, what's the fallout for this passing attack? And Leonard Fournette uh, as an ancillary uh, effect because he saw the highest percentage of runs with eight-plus defenders in the box already per next-gen stats. I'll throw it to you. I mean, this this is hard. Do you need a moment? Do you need a moment? Should, we go to, should we go to rank instead? As the no, no, no. I, we're fine. Uh, I mean, this is a really just a t- horrible thing for Allen Robinson to have to deal with. I mean, he's in a contract year. Uh, it was looking like he could at least bounce back to somewhere in the median between his uh, 2015 and 2016 season. Um, I know he had been really diligent this offseason and, and really getting after it and everything. So, it's a horrible, disappointing uh, development for his career and just, you know, wish him the best personally and professionally and, and everything that's, that's going to happen next. And uh, I'm confident we're, we'll see him dominating again here soon. 
As for the Jacksonville offense, I know that I've already gotten questions about it, and I'll probably have to address it in the deep dive waiver wire, waiver wire column. Who are we chasing in this passing attack now? And I think my answer is, like, a pretty hard nobody. I mean, I'll recommend that if you're in a deep league that starts multiple receivers that you can – sure, you can add Alan Hearns and, and Marquise Lee, who both uh, led the team in targets, tied for the team leading targets with four – both of them four. Marquise Lee, no catches on those four targets. And I think that's – but this is the formula that Jacksonville uh, wanted. And I know that you and Al, you and I, Alex, were discussing about it last night, like who are the Mirage teams from week one. I think Jacksonville's certainly on the ledger there. But but but, but and, and, and here's the but. They stopped Houston. I mean, this defense was unbelievable with the pass rush and that they got the out Calais of. And Campbell signing. Oh, and He's huge. a phenomenal player, and he huge. crushed for Arizona. But seeing him alongside the rest of the people they have on that defensive line was a total difference maker. Yannick yeah. Ngakwe getting after it. Dante Fowler even looking functional. And that really sets up Leonard Fournette to be like a 300-plus carry back potentially. This goes back to like early early uh, Russell Wilson-era Seahawks. Like Could, dominant defense, great. run the ball a ton, and have hopefully – Blake doesn't turn the ball over. Which is like what they've been trying to be for like five years. Yeah, Gus Bradley leaves, and then the first first year that he's gone, they're going to They get the, the team, team he wanted. Yeah, he wanted perfect. But, that's, but honestly, if you look at their schedule, I see them, their they're bye weeks in week eight, they could legitimately be five and two. Yeah, no, I mean, I – The schedule is you. breaking out pretty well for them. I think their toughest game is at Pittsburgh, which I don't think that I, – I wouldn't automatically give that to the Steelers. And I think, listen, I'm not automatically giving nothing to the Steelers. I oh, I hear you. I, I, they're gonna get they're gonna get into more games that they're gonna end up winning like twelve to ten. The, the Steelers? No, the, the oh okay, the okay. Jags. The Jags. No, I I get that. But then, but thinking about a team like Pittsburgh, if they can go out and put up points, see, I don't think Jacksonville can even be competitive if they have to try to get into a shootout right but now. But I don't. I, We're I, getting a little ahead of ourselves here, guys. I don't think Pittsburgh yeah. necessarily goes out and does that against. Them. That's fair. Franchise, are you uh, after Leonard Fournette's dominant performance, but losing Allen yeah, Robinson? Is- are you worried at all, or do you want to? Are you still fine with him? I mean, he had twenty-nine touches in this game. That was the most of any running back this week so far if they're going to give it they, they've already come out and said they don't want Blake Bortles throwing the ball he I think he completed 21. 11 passes he out of 21, 21 attempts and they just attempts. fed Fournette and uh, most of his runs were up the middle for short gains he punched in a, a short touchdown I think I mean Chris Ivory got 10 or 11 touches too TJ Yeldon was inactive so maybe Fournette comes off the field in third downs going forward he caught but a few it, passes though so that's encouraging yeah yeah uh, if he's gonna get this kind of volume, like all day, he's gonna be a, he's gonna be a weekly RB one just because of the volume. Yep. All right, moving on. Uh, somebody who's not a weekly RB one, but is going to be on a lot of starting fantasy rosters coming up. Tarek Cohen Ooh. put on a show in Chicago. Uh, he's the real deal. Does this make anybody nervous about Joho? Franchise is the resident uh, running back guru. We'll go back to you. What's uh, what's the ding for Jordan Howard, and uh, what do, how do we value Cohen moving forward? So Jordan Howard still got 16 touches in this game. It was a negative game script for Chicago. I think, you know, Howard got the goal line touchdown, but Tariq Cohen came out of nowhere. 12 targets, 8 receptions. He averaged like 13.2 yards per carry. He had 66 rushing yards on his 5 uh, five carries. He scored a receiving touchdown of his own. He, the the Jordan he was, Howard touchdown. He was, was instrumental a, on that. Yeah. 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 The Jordan Howard touchdown was a direct snap from the Wildcat to to Tariq Cohen. He handed Wild off bear. the Jordan Howard. What I say? Wild bear. 
Wild bear. bear. That's yeah, that's what they're calling it in uh, Chicago. I mean, I think this is a guy who yes, I'm worried about Jordan Howard's volume in negative game scripts like this. They also lost Kevin White to potential season ending collarbone injury. I think he's I, already on IR. Yeah, yeah he's he's, yeah, he's already on IR. I think Tariq Cohen's value skyrockets with an injury like that. We saw them use him all over the field with success. I think he's when he's on the field, defenses are not going to be able to just ignore this guy. People knocked his size. You know, he's only like 179 pounds, but he clearly showed his versatility, and it's definitely worrisome for people who took Jordan Howard in the first round, which we were kind of yep. advising against. Uh, to me, he looks at least like a safe weekly floor play rank, right? With getting in the mix on running and passing downs. Cohen? Yeah. Oh, 100%. And I, you know, it's funny because some kid hit me up, you know, hey, who do I pick up on the waiver wire? And uh, Mike Clay and I, uh, Mike Clay of ESPN, we had a difference of opinion because he was all about Galladay, and I said Cohen. And I think that both Howard and Cohen are going to be able to coexist. I think it's going to work out fine. I think yeah. it's it's. I know a lot of people will probably compare it to Ladanian Tomlinson and Darren Sproles because Cohen compares favorably to Darren Sproles. But you got to realize that those teams were different. I mean, that those Chargers teams had Antonio Gates. And Ladanian Tomlinson was a much better receiver uh, than Jordan Howard is at this point of his career. So I think both of them, in, in a team that is right now starved for offensive players, there is no way that you're going to not use Jordan Howard. And you're going to find a way to put, put, put Cohen into the mix. And oh, yeah. we saw there were times, too, at the end of the game where you would think that Cohen should be on the field, that he was on the sideline. Yes. And they were kind of like, oh, you know, you wonder, but you're like, you know what? They're not going to overuse him in week one, which is pretty much the opposite of what the Jags were doing with Fournette. Like, he might not be here week eight, but whatever, we're running him 40 times. I think that it's pretty safe. And I talked about this at the top of the show about having that number one waiver spot that I lose for the rest of the season. And a couple of years ago, I didn't jump in on Freddie Morris. Mm. And it ended up because Washington running back, like, uh, ended, it ended up costing me the whole year. And so instead of holding out, hoping that somebody's going to break free in week eight, or week nine, it's like, and I just lost Danny Woodhead. Um, I'm going to pick up Cohen, and I'm going to feel pretty comfortable with him. And I'd, I think that the, the touchdown, you know, that it's going to be a variance that comes and goes. But I think week to week, like you said, that floor is going to be pretty good, and he's going to be heavily involved. And I think Howard is not going to suffer as the much as a lot of people. Benefit do. for those two as well is the Bears' defense is pretty good, so it's going to be able to slow down the games and get them involved a lot. Dude, that was and, – and honestly, there was a one breakdown. There was one bad play that they had the Hooper the one. whole game. The Hooper, the Hooper. 88. 88 I th he also I, stole that DB's soul. Yeah, he, he made stiff it stiff-armed him into the turf. Yeah. That should have been a penalty. <laughs> for dis disrespecting a good player? So disrespectful. Like, uh, that was unnecessary. All right. Jumping over to Houston after just one half, Deshaun Watson could be the starting quarterback. NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport reports the team expects him to start Thursday night against the Bengals. We did see immediate dividends. There was an undeniable spark in the Houston offense, but statistically, Watson wasn't much better than Savage. So is he a viable streamer, and what does this do for New Hopkins? Matt Harmon. <laughs> well, uh, again, I said I watched this game pretty closely, and there were two players in week one that everybody said, you know, wow, you can just see their absence on the field, that being Andrew Luck, obviously, and Odell Beckham, the effects that their absence had on their respective offenses, but Dwayne Brown not being out there for the Texans. He's about to get paid. Holy hell, that made a difference. Yeah, because, I mean, Tom Savage, I still don't know if we know – 
if he's good or not, but we can certainly say he is not the type of quarterback that that you that is ideal for this era of football, especially if you don't have a good offensive line. I mean, he's a statue back there. The Jags are just teeing off on him. Um, so, but it sounds like yeah, I think they'll go to Deshaun Watson, who, you know, I mentioned the the lack of protection. Right away when he got on the field, his mobility and just being able to move around gave the team a spark, but it didn't last either because they didn't really sustain much offense, and and he, uh, I believe, turned the ball over. And so, you know, I I don't really know. I I think Nuke Hopkins, he got a ton of targets, a ton of air yards, opportunity, but this is – I just don't think – like we can say that he absolutely had a quarterback upgrade despite the fact that they are are Brock-free right now. And the Texans' offense is another one that just really doesn't have a lot of of counterpunches right now. No. One thing that might have hurt Watson, too, is he came in when they were already down big. So all of those Jags pass rushers were able to pin their ears back and and sit in coverage. So maybe if he's in there for the whole game and they can establish the run, Dwayne Brown's back might be a little better. But it's shaky for now. And uh, in heartbreaking news – Danny Woodhead pulled up in the first quarter, hurting his hamstring. Team fears he could be out a while. Don't forget he was dogged by a hamstring in the preseason. Uh, I believe this would put Javorius Allen, Buck Allen, a former Trojan, on the waiver wire radar. He actually outsnapped Terrence West when he came in. They had about similar production, though. But, Franchise, what's your take on this backfield now? Yeah, Javorius Allen actually had 21 touches. West, uh, West had 19 carries for 80 yards, so he and West scored a touchdown. I think it was just a situation where the Ravens were in a blowout. So they gave Allen some work when Woodhead came out. I mean, the Bengals put up zero points. It was a shutout. So they gave Allen, uh, Allen some work, maybe preparing him for next week because he might have a higher volume with Woodhead out. Definitely a guy I'm targeting on the waiver wire. If West struggles or, you know, is inefficient, he's been known to be inefficient throughout his career, maybe they, they get West uh, Allen more involved. Maybe they get Allen more involved in the uh, passing game too. So I might, I might bump Allen up to my second guy, especially if Woodhead's going to be out for a while behind Terry Cohen on the waiver wire this week just because he profiles as a better pass catcher than West. Yep. And the Ravens have been, what, the second most uh, targeted of know. their backs in the last couple of years or yeah. the most? Yeah, but no team has thrown the ball more than the Ravens over the past two years. Right, that's what it is. And they target the hell out of their backs. Kyle oh, Juszczyk, yeah, Terrence yeah. West, like, oh my God. Targets, I mean, everybody. It's crazy to think that um, when you think of players who get hurt and you look and, and you see their stat line, Danny Woodhead was almost decent. With playing like four a plays. quarter, he yeah. had four he, touches for like thirty-four yeah. yards in, yeah. in like four minutes of he had action. Like seven points, and I'm like, oh, I'm like, did he come back? Did I, it I was, miss it? <laughs> it was such a great start because you're like, yes, this is what we drafted him for, this is what we were hoping for, and then he got injured. So hopefully, yeah. good news on Danny Woodhead's hamstring, but we'll find out more later. As for the Patriots' backfield, James uh-huh. White, thirteen touches; Mike Gillisley, fifteen touches, and three touchdowns. Rex Burkhead was in the mix, mix with some high value uh, opportunities in the red zone and deep passes. So. WTF do we do with this backfield? Anybody? Bueller? I mean, look, I know that everybody's like, well, you can't predict this backfield. Wham. But, like, look, this offense, I, well, then again, Weak, they, bro. They, they did not score points much in week one, but I think they'll get right back to it in week two. They play the Saints next week in the Superdome. That has shootout rich, written all over it, of course. Wait, um, wait, 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 wait. Who were we talking about? The Patriots. Patriots. You said they didn't. They scored a ton of points. I mean, yeah, but not. To, they were not like the offensive machine that you would have thought. The Chiefs definitely gave them trouble. They scored like thirty points. I know, but but look, but just watching that offense, it wasn't like the well-oiled machine that you thought. That, and yardage wise, Brady yeah. completed you know, fewer that, than fifty percent. The first, they, they they scored a lot of points on the ground individually, but the passing game didn't look very good. Brady threw no, no touchdowns. He had to go deep a lot more. Brady but, because, because they kept tackling their receivers. I get it. I get they it. They got near the goal line. 
that's fair. But I, I look, maybe I was just expecting too much, but I was expecting even a, a little more from that. It was so offense. easy on the first drive. Right. That's I think that's what set it <laughs> up yeah, is that it looked so so flawless on the first drive, but then things kind of slowed down. The Chiefs definitely took control of that game. Um, but but so my my point is this offense is is gonna score a lot of points. And you want to be invested in that backfield. And I know it's going to be a headache to predict, but at the same time, I would still want to be rostering guys like James White, Rex Burkhead, who I know let us down in week one, but he was still one of the first backs out there. He got some high-priority targets. I want want shares of the New England backfield, and, you know, I get it. It's not going to be predictable, but if you have to throw a desperation running back two out there, I'd much rather it be – Somebody from this offense, yeah. Then you know some some goofball like that that is just going to get a lot of touches yeah, or or a flex in their games that should be high scoring like this one uh, yeah. with the Saints. Like like you said, Rex Burkhead had a couple of deep targets, one in the end zone. If yeah, one yeah. of those plays goes his way, it, he turns into a solid flex performance, and we're not as upset about yeah. what he did. Would literally we not we shock me. We needed that that touchdown so bad. I, <laughs> I, I wanted oh. Rex in the flex. It was man. so awful, man. Like just. Watching Burkhead uh, just get out there in the first couple of plays, I'm like, oh, it's happening. I had to play him in so many leagues, and then by the end of the game, I'm like, right, this is why. This is why you like can't tilt like your your calls live in a football game. It's like this is a really fun game to watch, and I don't want to care much that Burkhead's not out there. Right. I uh, wanted a Vince McMahon strut walk all over <laughs> everybody. You know what though? There's been so many like so much sloppiness though offensively yes. from like a lot of teams. It's like they should have like a preseason where these teams play. And they could work out those kind of kinks. Wow, that's so a So that when you get into week idea. one, Hot take. it's not as ever it's not as like it's bad as it looked. You've got Roger's email, you know. You should, yeah, I should. Hit him up. Like about if they that. had some sort of preseason. But it's funny, it's this there was a lot of sloppy football definitely in, in week one, but there's also some just some damn good defensive football too. Oh, and yeah, and don't do that. Don't no, 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 no. It's a don't mix. Because no, I was just gonna I was just gonna bring up Elliot. I know he tweeted that last night and hey, hey listen, like Maybe it's just good defense. But it's a, and I would say it's this week particularly, it was like a mix of both because there was some sloppy, sloppy football. But then in, in games, like I said, with Jacksonville, their defense was incredible. Carolina's defense had me sweating Oakland's yesterday. defense, actually, I rewatched that game last night. It did pretty Not darn bad. well against Tennessee. Yeah. Khalil Mack was wrecking that game. but He's known to do that. Yes, yes, in quiet ways. All right, so, guys, I don't know, uh, did you hear? Alex Smith was throwing the ball deep in week one? Call your friends. QB, Spread the word. QB1, Alex Smith, to you, QB1. buddy. Oh. So QB1. we knew he was a- able to do this. We've seen it pop up sparingly throughout his career. But if there is a new, more aggressive Alex Smith this season in this offense that they finally perhaps molded to perfection, does this change how we view him as a fantasy quarterback? A little bit. I mean, like, with Tyreek Hill and Kareem Hunt, they made him look like Norm Van Brocklin. He's out there. <laughs> Chuck, read a book. I'm so tired of you. <laughs> you just made up that. You name. know what, Rank? We were supposed to have the all youth podcast this morning, and then your schedule had to break so you could come back on the show and ruin it. Well, for so. for Christ's sake, listen. I, I wasn't. I wasn't alive for Norm Brand. I know who that is. He played in the. 50s. I'm aware of the name. Hard uh-huh. name to forget. All, anyways, all, I'm, all I will say is I think Smith is uh, certainly needs to be more on the radar, and he's got a good matchup coming up this week. He goes oh. back home against the Eagles, who just lost Ronald Darby. So, oh, true. don't be don't be afraid to stream out. Alex Smith this week. And speaking of streaming quarterbacks, Jared Goff franchise. You wrote him up as a streaming option this week. 21 of 29, 306 yards, one touchdown, zero turnovers. The Sean McVay effect is real in Los Angeles, baby. Oh, Do man. we believe in the long-term success of this offense? Well, <laughs> look, it was look, they were playing the Colts, okay? I don't think we can take anything too seriously. You can. Jared Goff 
what? You should take it seriously. Jared Goff looked like a completely different quarterback than what we saw last year. He didn't win a single game last year. He was completely awful. He set, like, horrible records of just badness last year. He's got – he seemed to be on the same page with Sammy Watkins. He's mm. got Cooper Cup in his back pocket. Todd Gurley was involved as a receiver. Uh, he was slinging deep balls with accuracy. He was firing lasers. He had – I think he was one of only four or five quarterbacks to throw for over 300 yards. He was a top 10 fantasy quarterback. But it was all against the Colts, and we all know their defense is less than mediocre. We're going to so, stream him again in week two? We are. Yes. <laughs> I, I, but for as much as he gets knocked for things that are sometimes out of his control when they talk about his body language or he's got blonde hair or whatever it is, <laughs> then whatever thing people want to knock him for, I give him a lot of credit for this game because, and I was talking to MJD earlier today, and he probably said it best. He's like, if he goes out against the Colts and does not look good, yeah, that's a huge problem. But when you go out and you beat the terrible teams or the teams that are struggling, I don't want to say the Colts are better than me. They're yeah. they're a quality De- that is they're debatable. All, they're all professional and they're they're better than me. <laughs> no, but, let's, but I'm very good. good. So that's it's. Not I think a, the point you're going to make was that if you go out and you beat the teams you're supposed to beat, that's what we resoundingly want. like yeah. that's that's a great sign. Not yeah. just there's, there's like just beat them. Put the throat on. I mean, like put the foot on the throat. Them. That's yeah. what I want, and that's. That's what we want from streamable quarterbacks. Is like yeah. when you see them have a matchup, you want them to take advantage of it. We don't because like he absolutely and did. We're, and we're doing this before the Monday night games. And I swear to great Caesar's <laughs> ghost himself, please Sam, Sam Bradford, Bradford please. Oh. he's going to have such an awful game. Please, yeah. he's going to have such an awful game. And I want you to remember Jared Goff that he went out in a matchup that he was supposed to do well. And did well, and Sam Brad. I'm already calling it. You Sam realize did not. we wrote about we wrote about Sam Bradford in four separate articles last week. <laughs> we we doomed I, him for yeah, week I one. Knew. I apologize to everybody that took our advice. Yeah, that I, sucks. And I was joking around on Friday, and I either was on the show or on Facebook or whatever. And I said, you know what? Everybody's so hyper on Sam Bradford that I should just I'm going to put Goff in. I'm taking <laughs> Bradford out of every lineup and putting in Goff. And some dude on Twitter's like, oh, that's a great way to do it. Like, where are you now, fool? Nowhere. I uh, just just okay. one little note on on the oh, Sean McVay effect uh, yeah, on this Ram Rams offense. Last year, uh, Jared Goff was, I mean, obviously we all we all know he was not very good, but you know he was one of the top five quarterbacks in throwing into tight windows last year per Next Gen stats. Mm-hmm. Uh, over twenty percent of his attempts, oh excuse me, twenty three point four percent of his attempts went into tight windows, which is defined as the receiver has a yard or less of separation. Yesterday, he was the second lowest in percentage of attempts, 10.3%. So I think that is definitely what Sean McVay wants. I mean, Kirk Cousins was one of the lowest percentage of players last year, and it was just a, a much better fit for Definitely, Definitely better at scheming guys open, which yeah. you could see a lot with uh, Cooper Cup getting open in the middle. And Perfect Sam player. For, that's exactly what they needed. I th- Cooper Cup's, and we'll get to it right now because I was going to jump to the waiver bird. Cooper Cup, uh, I didn't write him up because I wrote the article early, but it leaves him for you for deep dive. But he's a good guy to add off the waiver wire, especially in PPR formats. He, he does look like the real deal on that offense, but – uh, waiver wire. You can read my full breakdown. NFL.com slash waiver wire. We'll also have franchises streaming options up later today and deep dive from Harmon. We'll have them all tabbed out. Literally, like, will be an exhaustive coverage of who you need to add for week two. Top of the list, we already talked about him. Tariq Cohen, Buck Allen, Kerwin Williams, big names with running back opportunity coming their way. Chris Carson will be a guy that should be in the mix. He led the Seahawks backfield in snaps, which is something that could change once Thomas Rawls comes back, but Eddie Lacy played, what, seven snaps franchise? Seven snaps. I think he had five attempts for three yards. But to Done. his credit, 
the Seattle offensive line was just Yeah, bad. no, like there was zero room to run for any of those guys. I obviously yeah. watched that Seahawks Packers game the most closely yeah. and like the, the Packers have a decent front seven, um but they absolutely dominated. They looked the like trenches. world beaters yesterday. <laughs> like I, I, was t- I was telling you guys yesterday, the minute th- those Seattle running backs got the ball, there were two or three green jerseys in the backfield already. Like yeah. n- nobody had a prayer except for that one hole that Chris Carson got. Uh, wide receiver-wise, the fantasy hype train uh, captain, Kenny Galladay, is uh, certainly worth the pickup. The one word of caution oh, I have about this. Worth a pickup. Uh, here, here, we here finally, we go. God, we can Frank, finally enjoy everything. Really? I just want to say for the, for the listeners out there, everything that Adam Rank is about to say is not true. All right, here, let me let me say my one caveat. Uh, it was a great performance from Galladay. He had seven targets, two touchdowns, 69 yards. However, nice. we were wondering what happened to Marvin Jones because he only saw two two targets. Patrick Peterson happened to Marvin Jones. He ca- covered him on 37 plays, allowing just two targets, one reception, six yards, and the touchdown. So we have to be a little bit cautious here. Don't go crazy getting Galladay because if Marv Jones First is being shattered by, shadowed by one of the best cornerbacks in the league, he could s- seriously eat into those targets that Galladay got. By the way, they were bragging almost before the game that Peterson was going to be on Golden Tate, and then he was on Marvin Jones Jr. First of all, I want that. I want him to be fined for that. Like, fool, I'm starting people because of that. Like, I don't put out that. Fine. That he even put out a graphic. Peterson. He put out a graphic. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what is this? Like, come on. Like, I'm, I imagine those, don't that lie graphic was his his team of representatives and stuff make those for him, just put the quote-unquote number one wide receiver. But uh, Tate plays was, so much in the slot, and Peterson doesn't go I, there. Listen, which is which is what because of Galladay. Yeah, they put, they had the, they did 11 personnel, right, with the yeah. three wides, and then they had Tate in the middle, and that's why he feasted. I just I just knew that I wanted to be excited about him in the preseason, and Harmon would not allow Oh, him. see, this like, is nope. unreal. Bro, you can't do it. Unreal. Nope. <laughs> Not, pre-season, not accurate. Bro. Not. Oh, God, yeah, I would garbage. never be the person to say preseason, bro. How dare you? It was, it was preseason. On the day, oh, on the day of the death of my wrong. own son, and the, this is what you're going to do to me. Vanilla defense. Uh, all right, two more guys to get to on the way. Wait, hold on. No, well, hold oh, on. my <laughs> God. You're not done yet? What hold else? On. No, because, listen, I talked earlier in the show that Mike Clay besmirched me by saying I would rather have Galladay over, over Cohen. Yes. Is it crazy to think, and this is the legitimate debate I want to have, if I'm looking for a wide receiver today on the waiver wire, and this is my hot take and whatever, write it down. You can come get me in week 14. I Already don't sweating a little care. bit. I'm so excited. I would rather have Cooper Cup over Galladay. No, I don't care who Agree. knows. I don't care who knows. Agree, because Cooper Cup's going to play more. Okay, if I can present the counterpoint, you know, I, I do think that Galladay has a higher weekly ceiling than Cooper Cup probably does if he continues to build momentum in an offense that I think is still going to be better than the Rams, is going to be more pass-heavy. I mean, he was right up there with players like DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Green, Terrell Pryor, Amari Cooper, Des Bryant, in percentage of his team air yards at 37.7. So if he's going to still be out there catching passes in tight windows like that. I mean, this is a player that, the, you know, I like Marvin Jones enough, but I think this could be the X receiver that they have needed since Calvin Johnson has been gone. So. But my counter to your counterpoint <laughs> okay, counter- is that <laughs> they put Patrick Peterson on Marvin Jones. And really, and this started last year uh, where Marvin Jones had a great first couple of weeks and then the teams were looking at film and they're like, oh, yeah, Marvin Jones is their best receiver. Let's shut him down and we'll we'll just let Golden Tate work under the middle or work over the middle or whatever. Yeah. And we're just going to take Marvin Jones out. And it really worked. Like, it really it took him out of it. Matthew Stafford did not have a great statistical season because of it, uh-huh. um, at least week to week, I know, from fantasy purposes. 
At what point do they say, you know what, let's take out Galladay? It's a good question, and we will get a good test of that next week on Monday Night Football. Uh, they, they play, play the, Giants. the Giants, who have Janoris Jenkins, who is like a is a pretty good shutdown corner. That'll be a great lit- litmus test for this group. And uh, just to wrap it up, a couple of the other guys on the waiver to consider. Nelson Aguilar actually had a great had a great game, and uh, he's playing primarily in the slot. Looks to Bro. be one of Wentz's favorite targets, but Bro. he's getting deep downfield too. Bro. Come on, what? Let it out. USC there. wide receivers. <laughs> there it is. Uh, You're not allowed. Uh, we, Nelson- we as a fantasy community in, in NFL, we're not allowed to promote. By the way, I didn't have Nelson Aguilar. On this list because I have him on so many teams. That I Already? Yeah, you were kind of pounding the table for him at the end of the season. Oh, my God. Got a lot of hype and delivered. And he is an off-season drumbeat I think, star. I think yes. when they shipped Jordan were, Matthews out, I think about, yeah, Harmon and I were both in I've been, on that one. I've been trying to die on the Nelson Aguilar is good at Hill for like three years yeah, now. Yeah, for a long so, time. <laughs> you know, that, that gif of like the guy just climbing out of the grave, that is that is me right now. Uh, and tight ends, Austin Hooper. Yes, he only had two catches, uh, and one was that massive play, but ah, cool. he played a f- ton of snaps oh, in this offense whoa, whoa, whoa. and is going to be a good touchdown upside guy every week, which, as we saw at tight end this weekend, that's really all you need for them to be Sad. a top 10 tight end. Oh, but yeah. the guy we were talking about at the end of last week, Chuck Clay. That's who else I was going to mention. Okay, That's who else I was going to mention sorry. because <laughs> he, he led the team in targets. He's the only player that Tyrod Taylor has any consistency with, and he's going to be a constant threat in the red zone. Uh, they, they get Carolina next week, who should be better against tight ends now that Luke Keekley is healthy, but they did give up five catches uh, for just 27 yards to George Kittle. George Kittle, by the way, on the field for 94% of the 49ers' plays. That's a legit player, though. I I honestly – because that would would keep me from listing Chuck Clay as one of the uh, sleepers this week. But Kittle, somebody going forward, like – you're gonna he's gonna be mad. Dynasty basically. leagues, yeah, definitely uh, grab him. Man, Could I'd be like streaming worthy. All right, let's get to target and touch leaders. Why don't we start with franchise? Take us through some of your biggest takeaways. A couple takeaways from the uh, the backfield distribution leaders. Again, again, you guys can read this entire article, and I advise you to at nfl.com/slash/touches targets. No yeah. and in the middle, just we, touches targets. Look, we talked about Leonard Fournette. He got a huge workload. That's probably gonna continue going forward. Uh, Todd Gurley in a blowout had 24 touches. Little concerned about his efficiency. I think he averaged under three three yards per carry, which he should have had more considering the volume and the matchup. He did get the touchdown. I think he was still a top ten fantasy running back, but yards per carry Twitter might come out to get him. Uh, let's see what else what else we got here. I mean, Legarrette Blunt had a receiving touchdown. He was vastly outsnapped by Darren Sproles, but if Darren Sproles isn't getting looks in the red zone, like he's barely worth owning outside of full point PPR leagues. Um, Ty Montgomery. Uh, Ty Montgomery played a 89% yeah, of Packers snaps. He is a true feature back there. He caught four, all four of his targets. Obviously, he's a converted wideout. He's got good hands. Dude. This guy he, he gutted out a good performance against a great defense. Yeah, man. Against the Seahawks, who just got Sheldon Richardson on their D line. Like they have one of the best defenses of the league, and Ty Montgomery was was cooking. And Jamal Williams only got two carries, I think, for nine yards, but he's he's a waiver wire guy until we see Ty Montgomery start to stall out, because this is his backfield. A couple other takeaways. Lev Bell did not uh, do well against the Browns. Punishment there, for the holdout? I saw a narrative like punish. No, they're punishing Le'Veon Bell. No, a team is not going <laughs> to go out. They and just want to lose. We're going to lose their, Week One and yeah. teach him a lesson. But what I think <laughs> it might be is maybe he's got a little rust to knock off. He didn't get any snaps in the preseason. I think with another full week of uh, you know practice with his team, with his full offense back there, he, he's gonna he's gonna bounce back in no time. 
Those are major takeaways for me. May I say something about Le'Veon Bell? Yes, you may. Um, I just because I just noticed this on Twitter. I was going to look. This is the thing. Like you tweeted out that thing one day. I think it was a couple weeks ago. We're like Twitter's like the room you go into. Oh yeah. I'm going into the kitchen to get a Diet Pepsi, and then the next thing you know, you got a plate full of nachos. You're like, what happened? Yeah. What, was I coming <laughs> what did for? I come in here for? I was coming to look up something, and then I noticed this kid, uh, this Eagles fan from Brazil, and like, he's like, hey, somebody offered me Noob Hopkins and Marshawn Lynch, which is fine for Le'Veon Bell. And I'm like, I cannot delete that. I cannot delete that enough. Like, nope, 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 nope. Don't, yeah. don't let the jackals come in. For Le'Veon Bell. And as good as Nuke looked and Marshawn was trucking fools and that was great, it's like Le'Veon Bell could possibly, and if David Johnson misses any time, there's a great chance that Le'Veon Bell ends up as the number one fantasy running back. Do not trade him. Although, if you want to yeah. be the aggressor and you want to prey on the people who are yes. a little disappointed That's about how bad he yeah. was, be that person. I oh. just have two more things I want to say. Yeah. But I That's okay. I said I was done, mind. but I, I noticed a couple other takeaways. All right, let's hit them quick. Cleveland Browns backfield, Isaiah Corral got a ton of volume but didn't do much with it efficiency-wise. Kind of concerning. The other big takeaway here, Duke Johnson didn't have a single snap out of the backfield. That's crazy. He's a full-blown slot receiver. That was nuts. Duke Johnson. And then Cincinnati's backfield was just a disaster against the Ravens. It was a blowout. Joe Mixon, I think, had eight carries for nine yards. Uh, Rainbow and, vomit dot and, gif and Gio Bernard led that backfield in, in rushing yards, which I don't think anyone saw. It's coming, it's so. an absolute mess for right now. Yeah. Uh, Harmon, take us through some of the big takeaways in target distribution and what we learned from that today or on Sunday. So Amari Cooper was kind of one of the bigger stories for me. He had forty two point five eight percent of the Raiders intended air yards, oh, almost two decimal points. Yeah, oh, right. I don't know why they display it that way on the on this little dashboard. It's weird, but anyways, uh, he almost doubled Michael Crabtree in that in that sense. Uh, he also drew four red zone targets, which is what we're all whining about with Amari Cooper. Uh, there was a se- one series, I think it was the second time they were down in scoring position where he and Carr whiffed on all three of those attempts. Yeah, one of which, was... yeah, that was rough. One of which was definitely tipped, I think, tipped at the line, which uh, the third, was, yeah, the third was an issue. Was. The, uh, the first one was kind of high and uh, outside and hard thrown at him, so I'm not, like, yeah. too bummed that he if, missed that. If Carr puts that one on the numbers, Cooper Yeah, he walks, walk, right, walks right in. Like, I know people, you know, Drops Twitter was out there about it, <laughs> they but were, they, were they were ready. ready for that. But, uh, and then the, but the second one, though, I do think, uh, that was just a, f- a failed contested catch attempt, and that's something that I've noted with Amari Cooper in reception perception is he's consistently been under the league average in contested catch rate. But still, 13 targets, that was really encouraging to see that, that they might really be intent on making him the funnel-wide receiver of this offense, which would be great news for his fantasy stock. Doubling back to the Cleveland Browns, Corey Coleman led the team in targets. He was another one, got like a slant route there at the goal line, scored a, a touchdown. Great catch on that TD. Great catch because he got blasted. Uh, he led the he led the team in percent in air yard share, 21.9%. Uh, and Deshaun Kaiser, by the way, he was 14 for 15 on passes that traveled less than 10 yards in the air, 120 passer rating. Six for 15 on 10-plus air yard passes, obviously 38.2 passer rating. Much less effective, but – um, I know a lot of the fantasy community was really wanting to chase Kenny Britt as a volume play in this offense, but in the preseason, uh, Corey Coleman was Deshaun Kaiser's guy, and that kind of continued into week one. Britt um, had a brutal drop on Sunday, too. That would have converted like a second and 19. That's not going to help his connection with yeah, he, Kaiser. He did some some Kenny Kenny Britt-like things. So, I mean, <laughs> I am i don't know how available Corey Coleman is in, in many leagues. I know his draft stock really slipped after offseason injuries, but he might be – 
uh, a great lottery ticket. I mentioned, Late round steal. I mentioned John Brown was out there a lot, 25.9% of the air yards in in, uh, in Arizona, so he looks like he's dialed in. And the Tennessee wide receiver core, uh, Corey Davis was third on the team in percentage of team, team air yards, but he did lead the team in targets, had 69 receiving yards, very nice. Um, he also led the, led the pass catchers in average separation on his targets, 3.4 yards. Um, that was much more than everybody else. Uh, so the question to me, and I'd actually – wonder what you guys think about this davis is too good of a talent to me to remain the third wide receiver in the pecking order i know he's coming off preseason injury but eventually he's going to get there i mean he looked fantastic on his catches on on sunday so does he usurp the familiarity of richard matthews because that chemistry was still there or does he take snaps from the higher pedigreed eric decker who did see three red zone targets uh on sunday as he is wont to do I'm more concerned about Decker, having rewatched yeah. that game. They tried to get him in the mix, but it just wasn't there. And like you said, that chemistry, Mariota trusts Richard Matthews. Right. He made some tough catches yeah. on on uh, on Sunday. And I also think that Matthews does will also be a good deep threat. He's still younger. He's still got some speed. He proved he could do that last year. So I would be more concerned about Decker. Uh, we'll just have to see how it shakes out because you're, you're absolutely right. In that limited work Corey Davis had, he looked incredible, and, and he, I loved how they used him up and down the field. And he can be effective in the red zone, too, once that becomes part of his game. And I think for right now, um, I know Eric Decker's game is it's red zone, and that's really my, you know what they kind of bring him in for. But you, know, you already have Delaney Walker. You have a strong running game. It's like, do we really need to force this guy in? So that would make me believe that he ends up being the guy who gets the short end of the stick. And perhaps, I don't know, I mean, I the, I know it's different because real football doesn't operate like baseball or anything else like that. But it's like, I wish like the Bears, and I know that saying this is a Bears fan, you're going to be like, oh, this guy's from Naperville. Well, guess what? I'm from Schaumburg, so you're all wrong. <laughs> but I'll say this. I, I wish the Bears would just call up Tennessee and be like, you obviously don't need Eric Decker. Can we just take him? Like, we need somebody. That would be great. Like, that would be a perfect, like, that's a perfect, like, a baseball type of thing. Like, yeah, yeah, there, there's a player. Yep, we need him. Okay, bring him in. And, and the Titans have Taewon Taylor, another rookie that they drafted who was awesome this preseason I think he was a really good prospect but so actionable advice from the targets and touches thing I would sniff around the Corey Davis and Corey Colton pair of Corey's there uh those the owners there see if maybe it's good call uh they do not know what they have on their hands maybe do some buy low offers because I mean this is what week one is all about like what did we see that is the new reality what did we see that that is uh you know not like, is it just a mirage? I think those two guys could be legit up-and-comers. Uh, I'd read the whole thing at NFL.com slash touches and target touches targets. Excuse me. I think we also have it at NFL.com slash targets. But now we turn over to the new segment, Chris's Chargers Corner. Chris, yes. whoop, what, whoop. what insight do you have for us tonight in the Chargers for opening season game against the Denver Broncos? Yeah, well, I, I think this Chargers offense in general is going to be fantasy gold throughout the year. But when you talk about tonight specifically, I talked to Rex Ryan – on our Chargers podcast last week, and he said we're going to see nice the true name sick name yeah, drop. That was that was, that was pretty sick. <laughs> even I'm, segments even off I'm right out the gate. Even start. I'm proud of guys right professional. Out the gate. No, but but honestly, he said we we haven't seen the true Anthony Lynn running game yet, and, and I think we're going to see that tonight. They're going to want to run the football. I think Denver was 28th against the run last year, so if you can if you can run on the Broncos tonight, um, another matchup I like is Hunter Henry. I, I think Hunter Henry and Antonio Gates are going to be the key to tonight's game because. You got that no-fly zone secondary locking up those receivers. I still think you start Keenan Allen regardless. Um, but but I think Hunter Henry could have a really big game. He had six catches, 83 yards, and a touch against the, the Broncos in that uh, Thursday nice. night game last yeah, year. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so I think Melvin Gordon, Hunter Henry, the two guys I'm, I got eyes on. Tonight. I'm with you. Awesome. I, really, I really like Gordon. That The 
uh, Broncos defense is, is an incredible unit, but last year you're absolutely right. They were susceptible to the run. And Derek Wolf right now, one of their best interior defensive linemen, Toplin. is dealing with an ankle injury. said he was only about 75-80% healthy just last week. So fire up Melvin Gordon. Don't worry about it. All right, that was Chris's Chargers corner. I like that. Nice. We're to bring that back every week. Thanks, that's, a, that's a cute little Ho corner. Hopefully you can keep it's up cozy the, name, the name drops, though, With uh, starting out with Rex Ryan. Yeah, a, you really set the bar that's, high. That's a big yeah. fish. Give it hot. <laughs> All right, I'm going to run. Gordon had – a hundred, oh, 200 and over 200 rushing yards in two games. He had, he had good games against them last year. He's I'm not gonna, doing that again. Probably not. I'm going to breeze through the top performers and uh, biggest disappointments. If there's anybody uh, that you three have a huge take on on this, pause <laughs> me and we'll stop. But otherwise, we'll just get through this for I, I have takes on everything. So everybody knows what's up. Yeah. We'll get to daily daps. Uh, top quarterback performers, Stafford, as we mentioned, four touchdowns, one pick, 292 yards. And, of course, Alex Smith with that epic Thursday night performance. Wide receiver-wise. I don't want to stop you right after. But I've been – Highly critical of Matthew Stafford in the past because I had him last year in his week to week awful. Like it, it crushes you. You look at the end of the season, you're like, hey, it's top ten quarterback. But week to week, it was tough to live with. I really, I really, I mean, for his sake, and I really enjoy watching Matthew Stafford play, even that he's a lion. But I really hope that this is a a trend that comes. The continuity except, of know, except for twice a year. The continuity of him, his receivers, head coach, and coordinator. Now it was really awesome. You're starting like, oh, two and a half seasons. So. Speaking of which, Kenny Galladay, top scorer. Antonio Brown doing Antonio Brown things. 11 catches, 182 yards. Uh, Aguilar and Cup On 11 also targets. On 11 targets. He was good. Uh, running back-wise, Kareem Hunt, Mike Gillisley, obviously Leonard Fournette we mentioned, and Tariq Cohen, uh, 66 uh, yards on the ground, 47 receiving and a touch. John Fox fever dream, baby. Yeah, this is two-headed running back attack. <laughs> uh. Tight end-wise, uh, Austin Hooper led uh, tight ends with his 128 yards and a touchdown. Jesse James, of all people, caught two touchdowns Heath. for the Steelers. Heath. <laughs> oh, you didn't know. <laughs> Charles call somebody. And uh, Zach Ertz, as we all expected, didn't get in the end zone, but eight receptions on eight targets for 93 yards was a phenomenal start in PPR if you played that format. That'll do. Biggest disappointments. Oh, dear God, Andy Dalton. 170 yards, no <laughs> touchdowns, four picks and a fumble. The jokes. In James, I don't know if you guys saw me tweet this late last night. In James Coe's 6-4 scoring that we have in the NFL Fantasy Live League that we're all a part of, Dalton got me negative 11 points. Oh, my. He would have got you negative five. You know I, what? I had him in another league. He got me negative three. If you started Andrew Luck, you would have been better off. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, pal. Russell Wilson, also a disappointment. Just 158 yards through the air, was constantly under duress. Managed 40 rushing yards to help save the day a little bit, but not great. Running back-wise, Lacey, five carries, three yards. Puke, done. Lev Bell, 10 carries, 32 yards, three receptions, 15 yards. Where are all those touches? Joe Mixon. Punishment. Joe, punishment, bro. Joe Mixon, as you mentioned, eight carries for nine yards, three for 15. That backfield is sad. Wide receiver-wise, Martavis Bryant, six targets, two catches, 14 yards. Bro. What happened to the alien? He didn't. He, well, he has some rust enough. Yeah, yeah he, he had some rust in, to they knock tried, off. I think they yeah. tried getting him some screens and. He was he was out there for the majority of of their plays, so I think in games where they need to open it up a little more, I, I'm uh, I'm fine with Brian. It's Kelvin Benjamin in a game in a matchup we all thought expected him to smash in five targets, one catch, twenty five yards. Let me, raising your finger. What's the takeaway here? Let me jump in on on this one. Uh, I my bold prediction this week was that Kelvin Benjamin was going to be a top eight uh, fantasy receiver. Not ah, quite, <laughs> just a little bit outside on that one, but. You mentioned smashing, and I think the biggest the biggest uh, culprit here is the fact that the Panthers really controlled this game against the 49ers, like I mentioned. Watch this one really closely because i got to say, guys, yes, I think I might be 
the I might let the Panthers back into my heart. So excited I for you. love I mean obviously Christian McCaffrey is Feelings. the is the yeah the Christ the, to McCaffrey. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god uh i mean mccaffrey is the biggest catalyst of it but this defense is so much fun and uh i think just the fact that the they really controlled this game was a big issue their one big play in the past game was a play to kind of a sneaky sneaky guy russell Shepard, who wasn't out there very only 32 percent of the plays but i mean he's he's a guy that i know a lot of the reporters down there in carolina are really high on uh, but Calvin Benjamin still garnered 34.9% of the team's intended air yards. That was a top 10 mark uh, from week one. So I think the opportunity is there. And not to mention, like, it's so crazy that the, the Panthers controlled this game. And Cam Newton probably looked like, I would say, shaky at best in the first half, especially. Uh, I think once this passing game really moves along, um, that, 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 yeah. that they'll be going up. God, I'm really excited about this Panthers offense. I mean, they ran the hell out of the ball. They did well. Oh, it was so much fun. I loved that play where they used McCaffrey's decoy and threw the ball to Jay Stu instead. Yes. That was such that was an so awesome sick. play. They ran the ball 40-plus times this game, and I think, I mean, obviously, ideal game script against the 49ers, but yeah. this could be the type of formula we're looking at from from them, which is really a lot to We didn't touch on it, but Jay Stu McCaffrey both going to be weekly plays, I think, yeah, I, I, I they're going to so get a ton of work and both be in the mix near the goal line. May I? And again, this is what I would expect out of Cohen and Howard for anybody who's yeah. concerned. Like, it's a fair comparison it's there. Obviously, Cohen is not the dynamic player, doesn't have the pedigree of Christian McCaffrey, but he's good. He's a, he's a poor man's version of it. The only the only thing I would say there – Because he's just smaller. Yeah, he's, like, just, he's, he's smaller. He's and still he's electric, but he can't – right He's, got he's not going to be like the – I think McCaffrey could, once Stewart is gone, could be a, a feature back. Yeah, I don't 100%. know if I see that from, from, from Cohen. You know, and that's, that's a completely fair – Assessment. I'm just saying that the way that the NFL is now, and I know it, it's not how it was five years ago and even a decade ago, um, you just find good players and find ways to get them on the field uh-huh. and try to get the most out of them. Yeah. When you're the Bears and you have, like, you have Jordan Howard, you good have Cohen, you're like, that's it. I, I like no Kendall wide Wright. receivers now. And I like yeah. Bill Bellamy. The only the only <laughs> difference here that I, I would even know, Josh. All right, we're fading. The, the only the only because he dropped that ball. Like he's he's the one at the end of the game who should have caught that ball. Like Jordan Howard should have caught that ball. First of all, he three got, of them should have caught a ball. He got right? lit up. Number one. Yeah. Number two, he was not in the end zone. It would have been short, and they would have lost valuable time. Break a tackle. They might not break a tackle because <laughs> Glennon threw the ball behind him. Like lead him a little bit. Whatever. The only difference I would say between the these, between these two offenses is that I think. Carolina is going to be a legitimate playoff contender this year, which means they will be able to be on the game scripts that they can feed both of these backs. Whoa, whoa, whoa! And the Bears, I do not. Whoa, think, whoa, whoa! I think the Bears are going. Oh, they're going to. Sorry, did the Bears they're going did, to be? Oh, I swear to God, they're going to be the type of team that can so close. that can play close games and like they won't be just giving up a ton of fantasy points on defense. They'll play good, good defense, but they're not going to be. They're not going to be better than than six and ten. I feel completely confident in saying that, and therefore they will get bumped off game scripts that are going to feed a player like Jordan Howard, which is why I think it's fair to be nervous about him uh, while still being excited about Tariq Cohen. Whereas in Carolina, I Bro. think you can consider both these guys weekly plays because I think the Panthers are going to have like the best rushing offense in the league. You're right. They're playing the Falcons, the defending <laughs> NFC champions, and they did not get suffering a, a Super Bowl they, hangover. They almost whatever. beat them. That's no. I know a thing or two about hangovers, exist. and that was a Super Bowl hangover. That doesn't exist. All right. When it, <laughs> tight end. My narrative. Cut, cut them off. Tight end disappointments. Jim, big names in this list. Jimmy Graham, three catches, eight yards. WTF Seahawks. He should have dominated the Packers. Well, Greg I mean, Olson. if you don't tackle him when he's going up for a touchdown reception. 
Hey, it was fair play. Okay, we don't need to get in that. There was they let those boys play because there was another That's, one where the DB dove I, into Devonte Adams I mean, hold on. and they didn't call it. I listen. I. I will yes you're okay but that's that's a that's a reasonable yes you're being reasonable and rational there were packer fans who were like that wasn't catchable i'm like you can say like you can oh, no, literally it was catchable i think like, i think the refs okay. just let him play because the guy no, and that's the, fine the db I mean, did turn around and then graham also like just threw the db's the guy, head into yeah. the ground I mean, so i was like the ref, i think the ref was just like whatever we'll and let I'm him play fine i'm fine with all of that like you can it's <laughs> but i just i don't like when you're like that ball wasn't catchable like just say like they're letting him play like fine you're right you're the, no complaint. Yeah, no, they, it was, it was we got away with one. It's cool. Like, and I told this kid on Twitter, he's like, "Oh, you can't tell by the angle and the trajectory." And I go, <laughs> "I, I have a mathematics degree from Cal State Fullerton." And he goes, "What does math have to do with it?" I'm like, "You just said angle and trajectory. Like, it, you, you just what brought is, math. No, no, into that, the that's discussion. not math. That's science, bro. I'm oh gonna punch God. you in the face." All uh, right, Greg Olson, two <laughs> catches, 18 yards. Eric Ebron, breakout train, starts out slowly, but the Cardinals always shut down tight ends. Just two catches, nine yards for him. Jordan Reed, five receptions, 36 yards. Yuck! That Washington offense, at least that passing attack, a little worrisome right now. Five receptions was still like the fourth most, tied for fourth most among tight ends. It was just a bad, <laughs> bad tight end. Week. Get yourself a tight end who can score touchdowns. That's all you need. All right, and as always, we'll round out your show with daily daps. Extra, extra, read all about it. This is the daily. Franchise, start us off. Uh, what do you got for a dap? First of all, let let us in memoriam 9-11 anniversary. Never forget Absolutely. Uh, the people who lost their lives, the families affected, the first responders, everyone uh, all over the country today remembering that. Uh, on a more positive note, uh, I watched the first episode of this series called The Defiant Ones on HBO it's with Jimmy stuff. Iovine and Dr. Dre. Mm -hmm. That first episode blew my mind dude yeah i gotta the pick it up i'm like two or three into it that iovine took this song that bruce springsteen didn't want to put on born to run and ended up being patty smith's biggest hit yeah like what and iovine's like a 23 year old on the engineering the album and producing patty smith's album on the dl like i had no idea any of this happened yeah it was it's crazy such a cool story it's really cool so I, I, watch watch the final i'm digging that show it's on hbo i gotta get back into it yeah, it's uh, crazy. yeah. Harmon, daily daps what do you got uh, good question. All right, uh, we'll go to producer Chris. You got a daily dab back there. Everybody in South Florida, keep it simple. Yes. You know, stay yeah. safe, guys. Glad that the hurricane came in a little less serious than they were projecting, but still, everybody yes. be smart, stay safe. There's like please. 4 million people without power. I know, it's Something crazy. Something insane. It is crazy. Uh, Harmon, do you have one now? All right, I'll just, go. Just I'm after yourself. I was gonna say, I was gonna say, <laughs> daily daps to all the people that watched franchise and I on the Twitter Blitz show on. Uh, and Sunday just morning. daily daps to the Twitter show. I thought you guys did a good yeah, job. Yeah, I thought it was really fun. Watch it uh, every Sunday morning. NFL.twitter.com. What? Did they give you enough time on that? We were there like, for the whole thing, it except was the eight minutes. We missed yeah. one block. That's awesome. Yeah, it was cool. It was thanks fast. For, and thanks for watching. I got a time. Oh, I'm sorry. I was, hosting, <laughs> I was hosting my own show at that time. Cool name drop. Yeah, thanks for cannibalizing our audience. Thanks for uh, cannibalizing mine. You're welcome. Like my numbers were probably down because of that. Did you? Uh, look and I do the <laughs> Wednesday. I do that show on Wednesday, and they give me like thirty seconds. So like, well, hey, come in and be like, name one sleeper. Okay, gone. It's just it's like super fast. Old fast. Yeah, it was super fast. Yeah. It was fun. It was a lot of fun though. So it's a cool show. I yeah. really, I enjoy yeah, it. I like should. I like Colleen or Colleen. I do like Colleen. We like. Well, Colleen. Obviously, I like Aaron Coscarelli yeah. and Mark Isto. Um, great. 
I will daily dap the It remake. I went and saw it on Friday. Fantastic. The the kids are great. Um, it's a really good retelling of the story. If you're familiar with it, it jumps back and forth between the kids and adults, and they're doing this movie in two parts. The first one just focuses on the kids. The second movie, hopefully it comes out soon, will focus on the adults, but it was fantastic. It was super enjoyable, and uh, I, I recommend everybody go see it. Never going to see it too scared. <laughs> yeah, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> Never like those movies. I, wanna, uh, I do want to see it. All right, Adam Rank, close us out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to piggyback on something that uh, Franchise was talking about with the 9-11, because uh, two weeks ago I was in New York for Good Morning Football, and I yes. did take a little bit of time. I wanted to go down and see the memorial. Went to O'Hara's, yep. uh, which you recommended, which I would highly recommend uh, you go and do. And and going to the memorial, it's obviously very well done. It's very tasteful, which is the most important thing. It, it's similar um, to, like, the Arizona Memorial at Pearl Harbor, where it's like it's it's a great memorial, and it's a great tone, and it's not cheesy, which is the one thing that you really No, it's, it's, it's really – It's, it's really so incredibly well done. And one of the things I wanted to do, and they have the names of all the victims, and I would just – just was like, I just want to kind of see if I can find – uh, Ace Bailey and Mark Bavis, two former L.A. Kings employees who were on a flight coming back to Los Angeles when they were, you know, where they lost their lives. Yeah. And for whatever reason, I come walking around and I'm like, and you can kind of see where the plane victims are. So you're like, OK, so I'm kind of cheating. So I'll be able to find them easily. And there's an American flag sticking out of, out of somebody's name. And it was Ace Bailey. Like, I, I don't know why it was there. And it, and it was. Part of it, I was kind of like, well, he's Canadian, but it's because I'm like, oh, I kind of want to go find a Canadian flag and stick in there. But it was cool that somebody, for whatever reason, and I asked somebody, I go, why? It's not his birthday. It's not any significant memorial for him. But he just said, you know what? Some people just, they purchase these things and they see somebody's name and they're just compelled. So that somebody saw Ace Bailey's name and wanted to put it on there was really cool. So yeah. I'm going to end on that. I would, I would just say, like, if you've never been, the memorial is a well, well worth the trip. It's, uh, as you said, it's really well done, but it's also just, it's striking to see the, the, the loss symbolized just in the fact that the skyscraper isn't there. You walk oh, yeah. through New York and just skyscraper, 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 and then you walk into that negative space where the Twin Towers used to stand, and there's a memorial, and it's just... It takes you, it literally takes your breath away, and then and now they have the Freedom Tower next to it, so you can kind of get the scope of how tall these buildings yep, were. Yes, and you're two like, of them. Yes, and you're looking, and you're just kind of it's like, oh, it's man. incredible. And then O'Hara's, the pub you mentioned, is a pub next door. The first time I went to the memorial was when we were there for the draft, and uh, my dad's a firefighter, so I was just like, I just I need a drink afterwards. I went to O'Hara's, and it's a pub that was destroyed when the towers came down, and then they rebuilt it, and they have. Um, a phenomenal uh, photo book that they're willing to share, and they have servicemen and women uh, from all walks come in, and when they come, they bring a patch, and they'll take the patch off their uniform and put it on the wall. So there's really cool. Cool. my dad went with my mom to New York last uh, Christmas, and I told him about it, so they went there, and he put up his patch from being a firefighter on the wall too. So really cool, but yeah, make, make the trip to Memorial if you've never been. And uh, with that, uh, I guess we'll wrap it up. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, James Cole will be back on Thursday for Matt Harmon, Matt Franchise, Matt Beer at Fantasy, and Adam Rank the Maverick. I'm Alex Gelhar. We'll catch you on Thursday. See you later. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 
37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. They say every dog has its day, but when you're Lulu and your parents drive a Camry, every day is your day. The roomy rear seat is the perfect, whoa, is that the dog park? Backseat besties, it's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry. Toyota, let's go places. Burgers are best fresh from the grill. Well, more specifically, burgers with Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. It's so rich and creamy that it instantly makes any burger irresistible. And what backyard barbecue is complete without some potato salad? Not just any potato salad, of course. Potato salad highlights the rich, creamy goodness of Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. So if you want to take your barbecue season to the next level, stock up on Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. For great recipe ideas, visit hellmans.com. 